it rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome back. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Greatly appreciate it. We're going to talk to Dave Locke coming up at the top of 5 o'clock hour. John Schaefer will join us at uh, 4.30. If you have any feedback on the, the Donovan Mitchell uh, discussion, feel free to send it in at Jake Scott Zone on Twitter. At Gordon Monson, at Austin Horton. Um, Hector says this is what happens when you get an all-star type player. He's going to get invited to these things. It's great for him to be around great players and learning. I love it. I think so, too. That's what he said. I think it's an opportunity to improve your game by competing and working with the best. Uh, I imagine it's rather heavily supervised, wouldn't you imagine? Oh, yeah. Oh or monitored, God. I guess, is the right word. When you have that many millions of dollars on the same floor at the same time, I'm yeah. I'm guessing that uh, the training staff is probably pretty decent. And the coaches, you know. I mean, yeah, the coaching is top notch. I I don't think, you know, I don't think you can replicate that kind of experience going to a camp like that. Who are the coaches? Do we know? Uh, I'd have to look it up. Didn't I? I'm pretty sure it's Popovich taking over for Coach K, though, right? So here's a guy who I mean, he gets it. He knows. Accidents can happen, though. Yeah, but that that can I I think that can happen anywhere. Yeah, if he's playing a pickup game down at the local gym, that could happen, I guess. And yeah. I I honestly understand the risk, and I I understand that that Dante Exum's career took a severe turn when he got hurt playing internationally uh, for Team Australia. But I don't blame him for doing it. Stuff happens. It's tough. You're you're playing sports. That was kind of the beginning of the. Uh of the downward spiral, right. was it not? But how's he supposed to know that? Yeah. And and since Dante came onto the scene, Gordon, what has he needed above all else, aside from consistent health? Well, even the, it plays into this. He needs time on the floor. Mm-hmm. He needed time on the floor back then. He needed time to develop his game. What's so weird about that is that he uh, he played every game. I think his rookie season. Uh he did, or come he or he came close, yeah, right? I thought he did. So, I mean, you know, I'm not going to blame anybody for trying to get experience. I understand the burnout factor, and I, under, I understand players who say it's not worth the risk for me. You know, if you're Kevin Durant and you're in a free agent year, and maybe he's a bad example, maybe you have to go with somebody a, a level down. If you're Kemba Walker, I would understand if he was invited to this and he declined. He said, you know what, I'm in a free agent year. My mm-hmm. health is, is so important right now because I'm on the verge of signing this huge contract. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put myself at risk that way. Or a player going into the final year of their deal. I think it's all circumstantial. But for Donovan himself, I think he could really benefit from a camp like this. Gordon Hayward really benefited from a camp like this back when he was uh, up and coming with the Jazz. Jake, I think you might be convincing me. All although, right. Although I was kind of in the middle on it. I, I don't mind players doing it, but I think they do need to be monitored carefully, not to not to overextend. And I don't. I don't. I have not examined the schedule that they they will be if he makes the team. What then? You know, I mean, what kind of schedule are they going to be keeping? I imagine that if you have NBA veterans like Popovich involved in the process, they know how to do this in a way that is responsible and, and safe. 
Can I switch gears on you just for a minute? Yeah. I, I, there's a lot of kind of little stories out there, but this one uh, today, but this one really jumped out at me about uh, about Draymond Green. And since you like to read into the psyche of uh, athletes often, consider yourself somewhat of an am- amateur psychologist. <laughs> oh, yeah. What do you think about this uh, story coming from Bruce Simmons, who is the high school coach of Draymond Green? Okay. So uh, I'll just read from these uh, these quotes. Quote, his freshman year at Michigan State, he got one minute against Ohio State. He called and said, Coach Bruce, I'm going to transfer. Bleep this bleep. <laughs> and I said, no, we don't do that. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go into practice. Uh, Marquise Gray is getting your minutes. He was a senior at the time. Bust his bleep. Talk bleep to him. And then when you're doing that, look at Izzo because Izzo is putting this guy on the floor instead of you. <laughs> so his advice was to go out there, whoop up on one of his teammates, tell him about it, and then stare down the coach while he's doing it. It's kind of funny, actually. It's it's hilarious, but you know what? It obviously worked because Draymond turned into a tremendous college basketball player at Michigan State. He's got a great relationship with Tom Izzo, and obviously his NBA career speaks for itself. I mean, if he were to have transferred, who knows how that would have been uh, possibly derailed. But uh, this coach obviously knows Draymond and how he motivates himself to get the best out of himself. And that's being that that cocky guy with swag and talking. He's, he's telling him to go talk trash to a teammate. But but there's uh, there's some method to that madness in that Dr- he knew Draymond was really good. And so it's one thing. What happens is you might see too many guys who might try that who really aren't that good, <laughs> and it backfires, you know, and the coach just brushes them off. But I can imagine with Draymond having the skill set that he has and the determination he has that that would get Izzo's attention. I lo- he, he might pay closer attention to this guy. Bust his but, but he used the other word, bust his butt, talk trash to him. And then when you're doing that, look at Izzo because Izzo is putting this guy on the floor instead of you. Well, he want, <laughs> coaches want that. They want that kind of fire out of a player, don't they? I, I love that. I thought that that was a, a terrific anecdote. And there's a high school coach that absolutely knew his player. Yeah, it and, fits him perfectly. And delivered some absolutely rock solid advice. Yeah. Uh, don't run, transfer. Don't, don't go beat that from guy. The challenge. Go take care of your business and do it your way. And stare down Coach Izzo <laughs> while you're doing it. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought that that was a terrific anecdote. Yeah, and it uh, it fits. I don't think he's forgotten that. And and Draymond plays with that uh, with that fire. Yeah, sometimes he gets kicked out of games that uh, cost his team a championship. But, uh, you know, that happens, too. Mm, that uh, that has happened. Yeah, did the coach say about kicking guys in places? <laughs> kicking or? guys in the groin? No. Was that his idea? Although, this he anecdote... He said, his butt. Don't kick him in the onions. This anecdote would have been ten times better if, if the coach would be like, you go out there... And if that doesn't work. <laughs> you kick him in the nuts, and you stare at Tom Izzo the whole time while you're doing it. <laughs> I wonder what is I would have done It's a way better anecdote. <laughs> Drop him right to the ground <laughs> with a knee right to the groin. Then you look at his own and say, play me. Who's next?
<laughs> Who's really next? Well, and interestingly enough, I think Draymond's absolutely the key to the game tonight for the uh, for the Golden State Warriors. He needs to play above and beyond himself if Clay Thompson does not play. And we did see some new information that came out from Adrian yeah. Wojnarowski earlier that uh, the Warriors are encouraging Clay or do not want Clay to play mm-hmm. to get better for the rest of the series. And but Clay, Clay is, wants to play. He's holding out, saying he wants. So to, it's the exact opposite. Of what we talked about with Kawhi last year. It is. See, this resonates with fans. That he wants to that play. That he wants to play. See, th- this could also be that's the vibe that Golden State's putting out there because fans love that stuff, and there's no way he's going to play. <laughs> well, it could be that, too. Where we don't want him to play. He really, really wants to play, but we don't want him to, so we're going to hold him back. Kind of like the fake NBA fight, the hold me back thing. Yeah, it takes the pressure off the player. It it does. It takes the pressure off Clay, and he can say, well, it's best to go to the cautious route. That's the way the franchise wants to go on and on. But I really want to be out there. I really want to get out there and do it. But I think think they need a huge night from Draymond scoring the basketball if Clay Thompson doesn't play. There's no doubt about that. They need an influx of points because I – I would really be shocked if Steph Curry goes out and scores 48 tonight. Well, with the focus of Toronto's really good defense on him, it's going to be really hard for him to do that. So? Because this is the playoffs, not the regular season. So you're making up for the loss of Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. So how, how, where are those points coming from? That's the $1,000 question tonight. Where are the points coming from? Quinn Cook? What do you have in the last game, 17, something like that? Sean Livingston? Uh, Cook had only nine points last Oh, yeah, game. nine. But he had some big shots in the fourth quarter. He made some big threes yeah. in, the, in the fourth. Uh, uh, your boy, Jonas Jerebko? <laughs> yeah. Is he going to come out there and let it rain? <laughs> Somebody has to. And right. these players, most of them can score if they're depended on to do that. Uh, as long as Kawhi's not covering them. So, you know, there, there are guys who are capable. It's just that they're not at the same caliber of the guys who are lost. See, now. I don't know if they are capable. McKinney? McKinney doing it for you? I mean, this is the problem with Golden State. They're, they're not as deep as they used to be. They don't have as many good players that can, that can step in. And I'm talking about the Warriors kind of when they first stormed onto the scene a couple years ago, the David West Warriors. And now, you know, Clay Thompson, them missing Clay Thompson, that's a big deal. It's big because they're already missing Kevin Durant. And uh, so, so, what do you think is more likely that Steph Curry would step out on the court and start making shots and, and making them pay, or that uh, his teammates will pick up the slack and then Toronto has to concentrate, as, uh, give more credit to those players and spread out the defensive pressure a little bit? More likely, Steph Curry going nuts. I think. I just, it'll be interesting to see how he does it. Then Draymond scoring 30? I just don't see that happening. Or Quinn Cook scoring 25? I wonder what, uh, what is Draymond Green's career high? I uh, probably don't know the answer to that. I don't know it either. But uh, I wonder what he has, when called upon, what he's capable of doing. Because that's not his role on that team. No, it's not. And considering he's an inconsistent shooter at best... I don't know if he can just morph his role. You know what I mean? Under these circumstances, everybody has to morph. 
31 is his career high. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying I, I don't know if it's likely that's I, – I mean, I think the scoring punch needs to come from Draymond, but I don't know how likely it is. So do you think DeMarcus Cousins has it in him? No. Could he go for 20-plus? I just don't see it. And I know he had a good game, too. I, I know he did. And he exceeded my expectations. But I don't know how much longer he can keep that up. What's can it? he be dependent well, then, upon? How about Iguodala? He's hurt. I mean, he's playing out there on one leg. He he rattled his soul <laughs> bouncing off a Marc Gasol pick last game. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that was so nasty. That it was. Pick, that pick was Did they find else. his feelings, or are they still there in Toronto? <laughs> Seriously. That's one of the hardest screens I've seen in a, in a long, long time. It was and, violent. And it's absolutely 100% his teammate's fault. You gotta, call it out! You gotta call out pick there, man. Oh, it, you're good, Iggy. Keep going. <laughs> Iguodala had no... Wide, wide open lane here. It's just a wall there. It's he, just a brick wall. He had no idea that pick was there. They wily coyote no. him. They painted a tunnel on a brick wall. Seriously. <laughs> That's the best way I've heard it described. Well done, Austin. He was wily coyote on that. And they that. came and scraped him up Ba-bam! with a spatula. <laughs> I mean, he knocked himself out against Mark Gasol's pick. In the last game, that was uh, – I, but in all honesty, you see Iguodala going for 20 tonight? I don't see that. In fact, if I – It all I'm, depends. If he's, if he's not hurt if – he, if he's capable of moving, physically capable, then I think he could, perhaps. If you're Toronto, do you put Kawhi Leonard on Steph Curry the whole game? I might do that. I might do that, too. Depending on Ste- on uh, on Kawhi's health as well, because he's dealing with the knee tendonitis, so maybe he doesn't need that kind of strain. But I'd be tempted to do that, certainly. Just go take Steph out of the game, because we don't think this bag of bozos uh, that's left is, are going to beat us. What kind of effect do you think that would have on Kawhi's offensive game, because it's so important to the Raptors? doesn't matter if Golden State scores 45 points in the whole game. <laughs> uh, I like the idea. I just don't know whether that's what they'll employ. I think Toronto wins tonight. I really do. The pressure's all on them to win. They have to win tonight. If Clay doesn't play and you can't win under these circumstances, this series is going to be over. You're going to be over in five. Hmm. Well, I I would favor the Raptors under these conditions. I I, I don't know what that Vegas line is all about, but I I think the Raptors have every advantage except for home court. So why wouldn't they win this game? Yeah, They've already proved that they can beat this team. And that was with Clay playing. All right, coming up uh, right around the corner, we're going to preview the San Diego State Aztecs, an opponent for both the BYU Cougars and the Utah State Aggies with John Schaefer. He does sidelines uh, for the San Diego State broadcast. want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. Spring, spring cleaning is here, but it's way easier when you just call Zero Res. Schedule your carpet cleaning today and get your fourth room for free. Minimum supply. Schedule with Zero Res. 801-288-9376. Talking a little college football straight ahead. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Whoa, mercy, mercy All things and what they used to be. Okay, I'm here. We can do the news. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. I was uh, I was uh, working with our research department there during the break, Gordon. Sorry about that. They're underpaid, by the way. find out? Uh, we were doing uh, some research into the BYU-San Diego uh, series. 
Uh, the San Diego State. Uh, the Cougs have not played San Diego State in the regular season since they left the Mountain West Conference. I think BYU, uh, I heard PK talking about this um, the, the other day. I think BYU should play as many Mountain West uh, Conference teams as they possibly can. But remember when after BYU left, there were a bunch of programs out there that were saying, oh, we'll never play right, the Cougs right. again. Yeah, and the, there was, seemed to be some real ill will between BYU and San Diego State. Right. Uh, that was one of the schools. But I think the Aztecs are the perfect opponent for BYU to play regularly, mm. along with a handful of other Mountain West schools. But there's history there. San Diego State is is usually pretty good. Who doesn't, uh, you know, BYU recruits Southern California just like everybody else. I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of benefits there, and they haven't played since they left the conference. They did play in the bowl game the one year. Remember the Kyle Van yeah, game, but that's right. for first time in the regular season. In fact, joining us now, he hosts a show from noon to three in San Diego on Fox Sports San Diego. He also does the sidelines for the San Diego State Aztec broadcast. He is John Schaefer with us here on the Big Show. Hi, John. How are you? Hi, guys. Thanks uh, for having me. Doing well. So it seems as though, to me, as I look at uh, the schedule, that uh, San Diego State might as well move to Utah, given the fact that they are playing not only <laughs> BYU and Utah State, but also Weber State. That could be a new conference, right? The, the uh, Utah Conference or San Diego State as well. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all those games of those teams are down there, though, and so obviously that's uh, nice for the Aztecs. Yeah, I, I think so. I, it's a pretty challenging, you know, you look at, San Diego State schedule even matching up with the Weber State, you know, which I think is more than capable at the FCS level of having a really good year. Um, and I'm a, I heard you guys just talking about the BYU matchup with San Diego State. I think it's a very good one. I'm glad that it's on the schedule. I think it makes sense to be on um, the schedule for both BYU and San Diego State the next couple of years. So I think it's a good good opportunity for both programs. And, you know, Utah State obviously had a great year last year. So, uh, you know, San Diego State's got a, got a challenging schedule. They've had a Pretty challenging schedule over the years under Rocky Long, using the home and home with the Power Five at home and on the road every year. Um, so you know, should be should be a good uh, challenging schedule. We were talking about how they haven't played BYU and San Diego State in the regular season since BYU left uh, the conference. Was there some uh, ill feelings about the Cougs? Is that's why is that why it's taken a little bit to get this series going? Not that I'm aware of, to be honest. I, I think actually both programs would prefer that it is played. I mean, they're playing in men's basketball right now. They played at Viejas last year in men's basketball, BYU, uh, in a good game. The San Diego State won the play again in November in basketball. Um, at BYU, and now the home-and-home with, with football. So I, no, I don't think there's really much of a reason other than the fact that if you're in a conference like San Diego State is, from a football schedule perspective, obviously there's le- much less of an opportunity to schedule outside of the conference. I mean, BYU has the disadvantages and disadvantages of playing through that independent schedule, which gives them a little bit of flexibility, also handcuffs them at times. But, you know, I think that when the schools realized that there was an opportunity to play each other, um, it probably made sense for both of them. So catch our listeners up on what's gone on with the Aztecs uh, over the past few years. I mean, what is the state of the program? You mentioned Rocky Long. What's happened? Well, I think the state of the program is strong. I mean, Rocky Long has done an incredible job. I mean, if you look at the trajectory of San Diego State football, you know, the most success they've ever enjoyed in Division One is under Rocky Long. You know, they've been in bowl games each of the last nine years. They're coming off a year in which they started red hot um, and did not finish well. They lost their last five games, finished seven and six. But the three years prior to that, they won at least ten games all three of those years. 
So from the group of five perspective, I think San Diego State, uh, if you look at the resume from the last four years, even with last year's seven and six season, it holds water with basically everyone in the country, maybe outside of a UCF. But you know, even the last two years, they, they beat Arizona State twice, they beat Stanford once, and lost to Stanford once in Palo Alto. So they're 3-1 and one against Stanford and Arizona State the last two years. A couple of those games were uh, when those teams were ranked. Stanford was top 20, Arizona State was top 25. They beat a Boise State team last year that was top 25 on the blue turf. So Rocky Long, I mean, 3-3-5 defense, you know, hard-nosed blue collar, not necessarily what you'd expect in Southern California, but, you know, it's always been a top-20 defense. Offensively, they've run it down people's mouths. Um, recently, although they will spread it out a little bit more this year, we're being told they're going to use a spread offense. Not a typical spread offense. They're still going to run it a lot, but they'll look a little bit differently on offense. But, you know, they're predicated on defense. They love to have, a, you know, a top-20 type defense and then, you know, win the time of possession and win the football game. John, give us a, a couple of names to keep a, an eye out for returning to San Diego State this year. Who are they going to be hanging their hats on? Well, I'm excited to see a couple of guys. Ryan Agnew is going to be a returning starter in all likelihood. Uh, Christian Chapman was the starter to begin last year, and he's the winningest quarterback in San Diego State history. But he got hurt very early in the season in the FCS game um, and returned, although returned and was really splitting playing time with Ryan Agnew, who – did a nice job in his absence. In fact, it was Ryan Agnew's first career start, I believe, when they beat Boise State on the road in Boise. So that tells you a little bit about his potential and capability. He's a little more mobile than what they had in Christian Chapman. Um, I think he can throw the ball downfield well enough. Um, he's just a good leader. And then defensively, they've got a linebacker, Kiava Casino, that is you know one of the better linebackers in America. And when you look at all the you know, the pro football fo- focus analytics, and you just look at his, his tackles made last year. Just to, If you just look at the stat sheet, it, it'll pop. Uh, but he's more than the stat sheet. He's a guy that he's just always around the football. He's capable of having 15, 16, 17 tackles in a game. So I think Tizino defensively, the linebacker, Ryan Lago, the quarterback, uh, they've got a good amount of their pieces back. Juwan Washington, their tailback, ran for 1,000 yards last year. Before that, you had Rashad Penny. Before that, you had DJ Pumphrey two of the best in the nation in terms of yardage over the last couple of years. So they've, they've usually been able to run the football. They've usually been very good on defense. And I think they're hoping for, for both of those scenarios in 2019 as well. You know, it seems to me like my memory of San Diego State is that that team always had good athletes. You know, it, was, it seemed like it was a matter of organizing it. And I would think that Rocky mm-hmm. Long would be pretty good at that. Yeah, I think he, he's the perfect guy for the job. I mean, Rocky Long will have this job as long as he wants it. Um, I think at this point he's made it fairly clear that he will retire at San Diego State. He's just been remarkably consistent. You're right. I, I mean, I think there's a certain caliber of athlete that you're able to recruit in Southern California. And, you know, it, it's not that you're going to get, you know, it's hard to go up against programs like USC or UCLA for talent. But I think there's enough of an athlete, and they know what they're looking for they're basically looking for a player for their system, right? Like, and that's where they've really benefited. And defensively, playing a three-three-five, uh, I think has benefited them as well. I think offensively, playing, you know, um, a more traditional run-first offense uh, has benefited them as well. I think they've almost bucked the trend by not being a spread offense for so long and by running down people's throats. That's almost a rarity in today's college football. I think last year that got 
that got sniffed out to some extent. They weren't having the same success last year running the football that they did in years prior. So now they will spread it out. And I think by spreading it out, it's not going to be a typical spread offense. I just think you, you, it means they're going to have another wide receiver in formations, which will take a defender to the box, open up some opportunities to run the football between the tackles. So, you know, I think there'll be a little bit more creativity on offense, but they're looking for guys that fit their system. And Rocky Long has done that incredibly well uh, in the time of San Diego State. John Schaefer is with us. He does sidelines for the San Diego State broadcast as well as has a show on Fox Sports uh, Radio there in San Diego. And, John, Gordon and I were talking about uh, the Holiday Bowl the other day as there was kind of some some reshuffling in the bowls, and it got us to talking about, I guess, what is now the SDCCU Stadium, formerly, of course, Qualcomm uh, or Jack Murphy Stadium. And and we weren't mm-hmm. entirely sure about the, the plans for a new building for the Aztecs. How is that going? Because I... They're, they're shutting down that stadium in, in the not-too-distant future, correct? It's, actually, it's pretty exciting times in San Diego, specifically for San Diego State, because taxpayers or, yeah, our voters just voted for San Diego State the right to the land in Mission Valley, where Qualcomm Stadium now, formerly Qualcomm, currently SDCC Stadium stands. So, essentially, San Diego State, will have the ability to build on that land, not just a new football stadium, which they hope to have completed in 2022, but also campus facilities, uh, you know, um, housing as well as classroom buildings for the expansion of San Diego State, which is one of the most applied to universities now in the world. Um, so it's exciting times. Uh, they want to build a 35,000-seat football stadium that also will house professional soccer, which also will house events that you can host 365 days a year to take advantage of the climate out here in Southern California. So, um, yeah, the, the voters' initiative passed in November of 2018. They hope to break ground in the first quarter of 2020 with hopes of having the stadium completed by 2022. It's what's needed. Obviously, you know, SDCC Stadium, formerly Qualcomm, is one of the other football stadiums in the country. It has the Chargers. It's been standing since the 1960s. It's way too big for... For San Diego State football at over 70,000 seats, it's, it's big, too big for a number of NFL franchises at over 70,000 seats. So they're going to build something that's more specific for San Diego State and for the Mountain West, about 35,000 seats. I think it'll benefit them in a huge way on the recruiting trail. It'll be beneficial here in San Diego. It'll be nice to have a new building here. Um, so it, until that facility is complete, SDCCU Stadium will stand. As in, that stadium's not going anywhere until the new stadium is complete because the new stadium is being built on that lot, but the lot is so massive that it's not being built in the same footprint of the current stadium. It's being built just off that footprint. And do you figure that that big building will be taken down once all this other stuff is built up? It will. It will be taken down. It will be used for uh, the addition of housing, classrooms, facilities, San Diego State's expanded Mission Valley campus. So, yeah, that stadium is nearing the the end. And in terms of the future of the Holiday Bowl, I don't think they've announced whether the Holiday Bowl will remain in the new college football stadium that seats 35,000, which is probably a smaller number than the Holiday Bowl has typically drawn, or if the Holiday Bowl could move downtown to Petco Park where the Padres play, where you probably have 43,000 seats. Maybe you could add a couple thousand more in bleachers when you reconfigure for football and you'd be in the 45,000 range. So the Holiday Bowl is going to remain in San Diego. I mean, it's a staple of San Diego, whether it be played in Mission Valley as a new football stadium for San Diego State or played downtown, I think that's still to be determined. 
What do you figure, John, uh, about San Diego State's drawing power as far as football goes? Uh, is there a way to, 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 you know, San Diego's a big metro area. Is, it, is there a way possible for them to draw bigger crowds? You know, it's funny. I mean, San Diego State has been a good draw, especially recently. I think two years ago they led the group of five in attendance. If you take out, you know, a BYU. You know, I'm, I'm, what is the, what's BYU's draw? I, I don't know. 50, 60,000 plus? 55 to 60 now. Yep. 55. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you know, they were drawn two years ago. They had a home game against Boise State. They had a home game against Stanford. Both of those games they drew, I think, 45,000 for. I think they averaged about 40,000 two years ago. So in the group of five, two years ago, that was the best draw in the country. This past year, they were somewhere in the low 30s. Uh, I think it's a very well established program here in Southern California, especially with the recent success under Rocky Long. Obviously, the alumni base is massive in San Diego. It's a huge university. So there are tens of thousands of alumni here in San Diego. I think that in the you know the absence of professional football in San Diego, and you just look at the trajectory of college football, and I'm sure there's a lot of BYU supporters that feel the same way. I feel as if as television rights change and as conferences evolve and expand, that Right there on the on the doorstep would be the San Diego States, the Boise States, the BYUs. You know, if that's an expanded Big Twelve, for those about the Pac twelve, whatever college football looks like in a decade. You know, if San Diego State has a new facility, is in Southern California without professional football in one of the largest markets in the country, and it's had success in both football and men's basketball. You think they'd be considered potentially? You know, for a Power Five conference, much like I'm sure a lot of BYU fans think that they should be considered for a Power Five conference, Boise State being the same way. So I think San Diego State is doing the things necessary to position themselves that in the event of expansion in the Power Five, that they're at least, uh, you know, certainly considered for one of those opportunities. John, thank you so much for giving us a few minutes and enjoy all three of our Utah schools down there this year. Huh? <laughs> I appreciate you having me on and uh, looking forward to college football season, that's for sure. Thanks, John. John Schaefer does sidelines for the San Diego State broadcast and also does a daily show on Fox Sports San Diego. I, uh, I know we're running short of time here for this segment, but uh, it would have been interesting to ask him about how he feels about Utah State's rise. You know? Yeah. Because the Aggies are tough now, man. It's a, it's a new era. It's a different era than it was uh, 10 years ago for sure. All right, we have the Not Sports Report coming up right around the corner. David Locke, top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. You don't have to be the biggest market in the league to win a championship. San Antonio was not considered a big market no. team until they started winning championships. You can win championships in small markets. You don't have to be in New York, L.A., San Francisco to get it done. Bigger markets have more ways they can do it, and they have more room for error and can recover more easily Faster. than a smaller market. Yes, yeah. the Jazz were right there to do it in the late 90s. I know they didn't win it, but they were championship caliber, right? What were they? Very regimented, strong culture, great leadership by key players. The Jazz have this now. Now they just need more talent. So when I look at the way small markets have done it in the past, that's what jumps out to me. Tony Parks and Austin Horton, weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.
Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordo, where are we going today? We're going to the future. Only the future's not that far off. All right, Doc Brown. Let's do this. Before I get into When will then be now? <laughs> Soon enough. Would you prefer your kids to say, let's say you have, uh, in the future, you have another daughter. Would you want her to look like, who's, who's a heartthrob that you think is beautiful? I don't know. Just pick one. Would I want my daughter to look like a heartthrob? It's just a, be- a beauty. Think of somebody. Celebrity. Uh, Bette Midler. <laughs> Austin. Who, you mean failed over pick, what? A washed pick, up Bette Midler? Pick somebody that you think is attractive. Uh, you don't think Bette Midler is attractive? No. That's mean. Wow. Rude. She's a, a talented, uh, wonderful. Very talented. Beautiful woman. Okay, Beyonce. Take Beyonce, for instance. I mean, if you're into looks, sure, go ahead. Okay. Shallow, but. Apparently, a futurologist by the name of Dr. Ian Pearson believes parents will one day be able to choose from a, quote, massive library of potential offspring. Uh, the cybermetics metrics engineer contends we'll be able to insert chosen DNA into an egg to modify attributes, including athleticism and good looks. I assume that maybe brain power might be a part of that as well. Uh, he theorizes that celebrity DNA may be bought for parents to tailor the looks of their own offspring. This would mean parents could attempt to give their son the hunky facial features of Ryan Gosling or uh, a drop. or the spellbinding beauty of, uh, of Beyonce. Even today, couples can store eggs and sperm for later use, but with this future genetic assembly, it will become feasible to create offspring from nothing more than a DNA listing. DNA from both members of a couple of any sex could get a record of their DNA, randomize combinations with their partner's DNA, and thus get a massive library of potential offspring. Hmm. How do you become a futurologist, by the way? You get that from that community college in Poland you're always reading stuff from? Is that just a fortune teller? (laughs) All right. Now you've done it. I get those at Panda Express with my meal every time. I I, I interviewed a a futurologist once. Uh, He had written a book, and I interviewed him, and I thought, okay, this is just going to be some guy who's just making crap up, you know? But no, they go back and check trends. And it's it is scientific in nature, at least to some degree. And this that's a pastologist. This was back in uh, I want to say yeah, they're basing the future off of events of the past. And uh, for instance, he predicted this was this was in the eighties. He predicted that uh, the uh, that, that East and West Germany would would merge, and he was right on with that. And he also predicted that Canada would become part of the United States, which has not happened. But 
you know, so they started, he really sucked at his job. No, but this guy, this guy is saying that this this science is is available to us now, and so if there is somebody out there who whose DNA you like, you can throw it into the mix. Who's the one guy on staff if you had to choose from the zone staff? That you would choose for your child to to look have like. such attributes. Horrible question. That is <laughs> that is horrible. Such a horrible question. <laughs> I didn't think that one all the way through. Oh, I was thinking more. Why does that? your kid look like Hans? <laughs> <laughs> this whole story is making me incredibly uncomfortable. Why? How, why would anybody do this? Because they want to. Uh, many people want want to create offspring who are somehow superior to themselves and have no choice in the matter yeah i'm just gonna let nature do its thing that seems like it's been working for a while what if your kid doesn't want to look like beyonce right what if your kid wants to look like bet midler what are, why are shouldn't you... they be the one to choose that <laughs> amen they can't choose that obviously well neither should you They're not around. Who are you god well that's what that obviously that's the complaint here. Futurologist. That you're, that you're playing with that kind of thing and it could be dangerous. But if you if you could plan now, Austin, that your kids would be good looking, would you would you buy into that? Would I pay for it? No. Like would I have to pay extra for them to be good looking? Well obviously this is I'll stuff just take the value the value bundle, please. Whatever it is. <laughs> Whatever it comes with. I have a coupon. Why? Why are we? Why are we so concerned about looks? Or it's not just looks. It's, not. it's athleticism. I want my it's, I want my child to be how nature uh, designed he or she. What, 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 about, what about if you're if what, you could have your kids your be kid, good looking? Why do well, I care? Not just not just, not just quit focusing on good looks. It's you, also athleticism. It, it was your premise. It's intelligence. It's everything. And what what did you mention right off the bat? Well, why'd you scoff at Bette Midler then? Yeah, why did you scoff at Bette? What Midler, if I want him to be a great singer actor? That was a disingenuous answer on your it part. It was not. It was. It too. was not. It was so. If, if, I, if you guys are lying, is what you're doing. If my daughter could turn out to be Bette Midler. I would be so proud. What, the wind beneath your wings? Whatever. She's incredibly talented. Actor, uh, she's an actor and a singer. Unbelievably talented. <laughs> First okay. Wives Club, that was a pretty good movie. <laughs> Hocus Pocus? <laughs> right. But if you, if you if beforehand, you could have some say in your kid being intelligent or uber-athletic or good-looking, would you want that for them? Enough to fiddle with it. No. Well, I probably wouldn't either, but that doesn't mean people won't do it. I mean, come on, Jake. If you were to have a son and someone could t- would say that you, your son will have some of the athletic traits of Michael Jordan. I'm not doing it, no. Well, I'm not saying you're going to do it. Because there are more it, important things. Now, if they could have the athletic traits of Andy Ruiz Jr. <laughs> I mean, then sign me up. I had a speed bag as a kid, really. I don't know. <laughs> I think you guys are lying. I don't. Us over the futurologist. I think you're lying. I, I think if you could, I'm not saying it costs you money, but if you could, if someone said beforehand, okay, you can choose that your kid can be either good looking or ugly, you would pick the good looking. No, I would pick whatever. Do you love your kids less if they're ugly or dumb? No, uh. but you want them. <laughs> I love all my kids, except the dumb one. <laughs> but would you be doing them a favor by giving them an advantage? No. Let them be them, Gordon. 
All right, I, I'm not. I'm not even buying in saying that I would you do are, this. Though. No, I'm just trying to say that people will be tempted by this. You would be tempted by this. Why? Why do you say that? My daughters are completely beautiful. What do you drive? I'm saying that uh, that looks shouldn't matter in the it, eyes of a parent. It's more than just looks. It's the whole ball of wax I'm talking about here. Love them for what they are, Gordon. That's all I'm talking about here. <laughs> well, uh, this hasn't been Sorry, available in the past, but maybe it will be in the future, and I, I think people might be tempted by it. That's all. What if you spend all your money on the first kid, then you have a second kid, you don't have any money to buy them any traits? Yeah, how are you going to explain that one? <laughs> Sorry, your older brother got it all. We ran you're out lucky of, that your heart we works. ran out of money. <laughs> Sorry. You're like now put that bag over your head and go get a job. <laughs> all right, David Locke joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Ricky Rubio news breaking over the weekend. He essentially said that the Jazz have told me that I am not a priority of theirs in free agency. Surprise you? No, it doesn't at all. I'd almost resigned to the fact that Ricky Rubio was gone even before locker room cleanup. I felt like there needed to be an improvement there. One of Ricky's biggest downfalls was his jump shot. There needed to be an improvement at the point. I think you believe that. I think I believe that. Yeah. Even if that improvement is Donovan Mitchell playing the point. I don't want to sound like I'm bagging on Ricky because he could be back with the Jazz. I think that there are guys out there that could be more productive and create more of a championship-style culture. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All 